You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're on the 23rd movie on the list. It's The Rescuers from 1977. And as always, you can find us on the internet at Disney One X One. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It'd be much appreciated. With me, as always, today is my brother, David Rolfing. David, welcome back. Episode 23. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me back (laughs) for a kind of obscure movie on the list, one that a lot of people haven't seen, including myself. Yeah, I don't think I had seen it either, so uh, we'll bring in our special guest. This week joining us is our cousin. I was going to say my cousin, but our cousin, Carol Keene. Carrie, welcome to Disney One by One. Well, thank you very much for having me, Dave. I uh, I was just telling you guys that I watched or listened to a couple of the podcasts, and I find it funny that you say the exact same thing. Hey, Mike, <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> I'm wondering if you did that on purpose because it's amazing. <laughs> do I need to change it? Is it a is it a bad thing? To be I don't know. It's not a bad thing. I think Mike, you need to make a supercut at the very end of, yeah, of right. all David's. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on, Mike. <laughs> I do do it on purpose. Like, I know good. that's what I say every time. Good, 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 good. I, like I also it. tend to say the exact same thing and don't really add anything to it. So uh, that probably doesn't help. It's <laughs> great. So, Carrie, uh, with our guests that we have on our show, uh, we talk about the Disney their Disney history. Actually, yeah. first, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Where are you? What do you do? What's going on? I'm a filmmaker. I'm also in video production uh, in Venice, California. I went to Disney for Christmas, which was amazing. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I have a lot of fond Disney memories. Some of them involve you, particularly uh, you chanting, because I'm a lady, that's why, to Mary-Kate, as we were from the Aristocats. <laughs> I have no recollection of that. <laughs> that was a random memory that popped up today uh, when I was thinking about Disney. Um, but yeah, always loved movies, loved watching them, loved making them. So I'm excited to to dig into this one. I have seen this movie. Okay. Um, and further, um, Rescuers Down Under is one is on my top five, honestly. Oh, all right. Uh, I love that movie. So I have fond memories of this original one, although I always remembered it wasn't as good as as Down Under. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was nice to watch again. Yeah, good. And to rewind, uh, Carol and I have been making movies together since uh, since before I can remember. We have dabbled in the art of filmmaking, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. I don't know. Have we done anything Disney-inspired? I can't really I think of anything. I was just thinking if we've done anything animated or Disney-inspired. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Yeah, no. We, by the time we had a camera, I think we were too... Like, Disney was the little kids watched Disney, although we still did. But yeah, we still it wasn't did. It wasn't quote-unquote cool. We do have a uh, a hallowed history of three caballeros love, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and as I was compiling my top five... I couldn't. I couldn't make it in into the top five. Although I love it, I don't know. It, it's like a special category all to its own. It is. I. You need to rewatch it, Carrie, because I hated it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, Mikey and I have rewatched it as adults, maybe five years ago. Okay, but it's, it's I did so have good. a unique context because we we watched like five plus like of those. What do they call it? Not like segmented movies, ones that don't have mm. a complete storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like. Another one of these. That was only the second one, Dave. That was only the second one of those. Okay. It was in the middle of that pack. (laughs) And I did not enjoy that that time in my life. 
Mike, did we ever did we ever get to the bottom of like how were you and I both aware of that? Did did we watch it together as a kid, or did I watch? Oh it as a kid? yeah, um, and we talked about it on that episode. But Grandma and Grandpa had it on VHS in their basement. It that's was like right. one of the movies they had, and so yes. we'd go down there after swimming in the afternoon and pop it in because that's like all they had like that. Yes, and like live action Peter Pan with Mary Martin. <laughs> oh my God, yes, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reminiscing that I think a lot of what influences people's top fives are probably just the movies they happen to oh, own, obviously, certainly. and watch. And that was uh, that was certainly you know a, a heavily watched film. Yeah, and they were a bunch we didn't have in the house or at grandma's house that I just haven't seen. And so sure. it's it's fun to go through those and finally get to watch them. Yeah. Even if I owned The Rescuers and watched it as a kid, I don't think it'd be in my top five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. If, if it was the only one grandma had and we watched it every time we were at grandma's, I think yeah, it might have snuck probably. <laughs> Carrie, you and I also have a uh, Disney Parks history. You brought it up yes. briefly, but... There, I, there's a video, a home video that we have of us as very young kids in line for Thunder Mountain. I don't know if you recall this. Uh, uh, vaguely, yes. <laughs> my dad, it was like you, me, and my dad, because your dad must have been like watching your little siblings or something. Uh-huh. And uh, we're in line slapping each other because we're bored. <laughs> Just like, stop hitting me, stop hitting yes. me. And then we got in the front car of of the train on thunder mountain and the whole time yeah i remember this and, and my dad with the shoulder mounted vhs vcr <laughs> camera on the ride was filming us and the whole time i'm going hang on care bear hang <laughs> i remember on. i don't remember specific memories but i remember like the terror yeah uh and thrill of that also how did they allow your dad to have like that big old camera on the ride that's so surprising they still don't really have rules against that stuff really really Di- i mean disney it's like your fault if you drop your backpack off the sure. ride like you can take i've brought all sorts of different cameras on rides not that big but yeah yeah i don't know it's it's they've always just kind of rolled with it and i guess it's been fine i think i was still on the womb when you guys were on <laughs> yeah, that probably <laughs> or a glimmer in your dad's eye and then uh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> there's a picture of our mom pregnant at disney world with okay, i think okay, your okay. family's there so yeah got it, got it, got it. And then uh, we also had an epic day at Disneyland a few years ago. Yes, we did. Where you had not been there. And so I'm like, all right, let's do everything in one day. Yes, 21,000 plus steps, I think. Oh, more than that. Like 40,000. Like 40, oh, that's right. We, it was like 21 miles I yeah. think, that we walked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I have nothing but uh, wonderful memories of that, but just like running anywhere we could, anywhere yes. it was appropriate. Um, yeah, that's my pref- that's my preferred uh, Disney experience. Yeah, I do have to tell the funny story that I went a couple months ago and I didn't dare tell you that I was going because I knew I couldn't live up to your standard <laughs> of right. what you would expect from me. So I kept it from you. I wish that you were there because leisurely Disney. I don't know, man. Like you just, it's frustrating. You want to just get around and you want to do what you can do in the time. Yeah, I think my ideal would honestly did we do like one day that yeah, that I go crazy. And then go back a second day, yeah, and just mm-hmm. like just peruse and roam mm-hmm. and like I kind of did that recently. Mallory and I went in the summer for a day, like a crazy day, or two summers mm-hmm. ago. And then I went like by myself recently because I was in California for something else, and just went for the day. And I like I I didn't have to do everything because I just right. done a lot of stuff, and I like spent time just walking around and looking at the little nooks and crannies I hadn't seen before, sure, and going doing some of the smaller things. And it was that was a nice day as well. So. Yeah, next up uh, needs to be Disney World because I've I've only done that as a teenager last. Yeah, um, with my entire family. So 
Well, there is an official challenge that you can sign up for on, on this on this website to try to ride every single ride in all four parks in one day. Um, wow. It's becoming increasingly difficult because of the rides they're adding and the popularity of them, but it is possible. Someone just did it a few weeks ago, so uh, mm. maybe that can be our next adventure. All right, I'm down. <laughs> as long as we can sneak Avatar into there, then yeah, well, that's one of them. That's okay, part of, that's part of the deal. Good, yeah. good, good. So, anyway, uh, let's move on to your top five favorite Disney movies. Let's All start right. with number five. Top five Disney movies. Uh, yeah, number five, Rescuers Down Under. Uh, legitimately, right. this movie is so amazing. The huge eagle. Uh, with the big golden feathers. I mean, I could just picture the opening scene so perfectly. He's he's in the outback Australia. It's hot. He's got this fan blowing. I mean, it's such a beautiful world. And Joanna is hilarious. This little lizard, I don't know, sneaky thing. Mm-hmm. Always loved that movie. And then in this one, Bianca and uh, Bernard are dating, and he's trying to get up the courage to propose the whole time. So it's kind of fun to watch this Rescuers, which I haven't seen as many, and, and see that they like develop that relationship uh, in this movie. Yeah, I don't think uh, I've seen Down Under. Dude, I'm excited I, I, for I'm you. I'm looking forward to it. I've seen the trailer for it like a dozen times because it was on like the VHS tape of like D2 The Mighty Ducks or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like one of those movies we watched over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. David, you put Rescuers on your top 10, or did you mean Rescuers yep. Down Under? Rescues Down Under was on my top 10. I might have said The Rescuers because I didn't know there was a prequel. Okay, got it. But that's what I meant. All right, you're number four. Number four, The Sword and the Stone. I love. I loved this movie as a kid. I love this book uh, that it's based on, The Once and Future King. The dishes scene with Merlin is so amazing. <laughs> um, just a lot of great stuff in there. That's interesting. I mean, that's that's like major nostalgia for you. Yeah. Because uh-huh. we watched that recently and none of us really liked it very much. Really? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like a kid. That was like a being, yeah, totally enchanted by that as a kid. I mean, I mean, think about it. He gets, dude, I look, <laughs> when he's, the squirrel falls in love with him. I mean, like he's a fish. It's like, as a kid, it's so fun. You imagine yourself, you know, turning into all these animals and having these adventures. I have not seen it in a while. Yeah. As an adult, that squirrel scene is like, it's like assault. <laughs> that's right yeah yeah because there was multiple love uh love uh triangles going on there right like yeah merlin had his lover and uh and wart had his as well yeah well you and the listeners will have to go back and listen to our episode on that sh- on that movie because we basically like rewrite the movie and and, okay. fi- and fix it <laughs> great good to hear um sadly i'm looking at my list and i realized that the my fifth was actually tarzan oh um okay well that's fine so I'm going to go back and say number five was Tarzan. And all I have to say about that is. I mean, come on. Phil Collins with InSync. Yeah. InSync. Yeah. Definitely watch the behind the scenes of those. Trash Team Camp behind the scenes. It's great. Yeah. Justin Timberlake with his little ramen noodle hair. This is a great movie, man. Very intense. Very scary. Yeah, I love Tarzan. Yep. Uh, okay, number two would be Emperor's New Groove for sure. You guys, you haven't watched that one, I'm assuming. No, I have not. Uh, you still have not seen that period, correct? No, not okay. no. I have not at all. David, you have, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, never. I've never seen it. It's so good. I, I I'm curious to see you as an adult. Yeah. I mean, I watched that probably late, like late teens. I don't know when it came out. But yeah, David Spade, John Goodman, Eartha Kitt, Patrick uh, Warburton. Warburton. Yeah, so funny, so good. So, like, so out there. I mean, uh, points for creativity for them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
It's very different. It it doesn't necessarily feel like a Disney movie. They definitely like took a swing, um, and I think they did great. It's really funny and creative. A lot of like fourth wall breaking moments mm-hmm. too, which I think is funny. And a lot of like innuendos to more drug jokes and stuff. That's true. In that movie. <laughs> That's really? true. Yeah. I mean, they're also like taking like magic potions and druggy like <laughs> things and eating. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, number one, Robin Hood, man. Nice. That's that's uh, when I was a kid, I'd watch that and, and, tr- and try to rewind it before my mom caught me and I would just watch it again. And she probably thought it was like the longest movie ever. But <laughs> I would literally just like back to back to back to back. She's like, you can watch one movie. And you're like, OK, exactly. <laughs> it probably oh was God. like 78 minutes long, you know, so just sort of no Lion King on your list. You're yeah, one, of, one, of, one of the few. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, I was going to mention that is my Disney history uh, because that was um, that was the first movie that I ever cried in. Um, when Mufasa died, uh, like I, I, like Mufasa died and I'm like, wait a minute, what if my dad died? And then all right. of a sudden I'm crying. Uh, that never happened before. And then I wanted to just, uh, my random honorable mention is the Canadian moose commentary of Brother Bear <laughs> is literally one of the funniest things I've ever watched, like in any, like in any, any movie. Wait, hold up. It's, I haven't it's seen a, the movie. Okay, is it so a feature on the DVD? Don't watch the movie. It's okay. terrible. Go into the extra <laughs> bonus features and, and basically, I, I should know this pop culture reference, but there's, what is, what's the uh, like TV show where... Two people are watching something and you can sort of see the silhouettes of their heads watching Mystery it. Science Theater. Correct. So 3, that's 000. what they mock up. And it's these two Canadian moose brothers who are like these Canadian redneck moose. And the commentary is just, it's so funny. Well, those are voiced by Rick Moranis and uh, and his, who's his buddy that does stuff comedy with him? Uh, Dave Thomas? Are they Rut and Took? Are those the, the characters' yeah. names? Yeah. yeah. So Rick Moranis, you know him from like Honey, I yes. Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. And Dave Thomas, they used to do like this stand-up routine as these like over-the-top Canadians. Well, that's exactly who they do. And so they and so they have they, them. They're they're the movies. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I need to. Yeah. <laughs> that's like my hidden gem for the podcast episode. Okay, uh, no. that movie Always, sucks though. It's so bad. Don't watch it. But yeah. it's amazing where you don't really watch the movie. You just see these moose like making fun of it and and commenting hilarious things. Yeah, because our dad had like a cassette tape. Of Rick Moranis, um, what are they? It was called the Great White North. That was the sketch they did <laughs> on uh, some Canadian sketch TV show, like on CBC or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they just do over the top Canadian accents and just talk about Canada things. So yeah. uh, no, that's funny. Oh, that's that's a that's a good tip when we it's get to that, Brother Bear. But just the backdrop of Brother Bear and it makes it so much more palatable. So they have those two characters do an audio commentary on the entire movie. The entire feature film. Yeah. It's like <laughs> who's what madman decided this was a good idea, but it's so good. All right, and with that, we will move on to the rescuers. And now, our feature presentation. At last, after four years in production, comes the crowning achievement in Disney animation and storytelling, The Rescuers. I have something to intro this movie. So basically, I have two two quotes that sum up the movie in different ways, and they happen back to back. One is faith makes everything turn out right. Sweet. Mm-hmm. The next one is didn't you bring someone big with you, like the police? Good question. <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking saw, the same thing. I would something speak quick. Yeah, I re- I, I really like that first quote. Yeah, yeah. It was very. It was very, just very followed very by a, vi- a a way more a practical yes. and on yes. on the nose quote. <laughs> 
All right, well, let me dive into the uh, historical context of this movie. Yeah. The Rescuers is based on a series of books by British author Marjorie Sharp. She originally actually wrote the books for adults, and they became very popular amongst kids, which is kind of interesting. In the book, the organization that the uh, mice work for is called the Prisoner's Aid Society, so things were definitely adapted for this movie. Um, where they, they, they brighten the lives of prisoners, or something like that. Right. And then they sort of uh, go rogue and start freeing people, or something, or something like that. <laughs> this movie began development in 1962, and, and didn't come out till 77, so it took a little while. It, the, the original plot they went with was, was about a poet who was held captive by a totalitarian government in a Siberia-like prison, um, but Walt shut that down because there were too many political overtones. Yeah, they took a hard right on the uh, plot in a good way. <laughs> Which is pretty interesting. It was brought back a few years later in the early 70s by, by Don Bluth and a group of uh, younger animators uh, who were at Disney at the time. They were sort of splitting up projects amongst the veterans and the newbies. And, and Don Bluth... I will go on a tangent, ended up having quite the animation career. He, he split off from Disney after working on a few movies and sort of, he started his own company and they're the ones who made uh, The Secret of Nymph. An American, oh yeah, an American, Secret American, of Nymph. Yeah. yeah, dude, that movie's amazing. An American Tale, like Five Goes West. Hmm. They made Land Before Time. Oh, uh, wow. Dang. All Dogs Go to Heaven and uh, Anastasia, among others. So they were like oh, wow. that there were all those movies where people like people who don't know anything about animation think Disney made them, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, Land Before Time's a Disney movie. No, it's not. Sure. It was a it was a Don Bluth movie, which is pretty interesting. So Dude, Secret of Nim is intense, dude. I recommend watch I've re I've watched that recently. It's 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 full on. Hmm. Scary. Hmm. I was so into Land Before Time. Yes, you were. I loved those. <laughs> yes, yes, you, you were. were. Petrie. Tree yeah, stars. Man. Yeah, long necks. So anyway, Don Bluth, this is one of the first Disney movies he worked on as a young animator at the time, and he started uh, developing The Rescuers. They decided to go with the story Miss Bianca and the Antarctic, which is about a captured polar bear being forced into performing in shows. The bear releases a <laughs> bottle into the sea, and then the mice <laughs> discover it. So we're, we're getting closer. <laughs> we're getting warmer to this movie. Um, they had tapped uh, Louis Prima to play the bear. He was the voice of King Louis in uh, The Jungle Book. But in 1975, he developed a brain tumor and uh, dropped out, which is kind of, a kind of a bummer. So the project was shelved once again. Meanwhile, uh, Robin Hood was wrapping up, and the uh, these veterans needed something to work on, and they started developing a story called Scruffy, which I don't know if you looked at looked <laughs> yeah, up this. But this was uh, about the Barbary macaws of Dr Gibraltar, like a group of monkeys yep. who were threatened by the Nazis during World War II as the Nazis were trying to, like, uh, take over parts of the British Empire. So I don't, know, I don't know what they were planning on doing with that. Yeah, strange after Walt Disney just said something was too political. And they're like, oh, I know what. Monkey Nazis. Right. So it was this movie Scruffy from the veterans versus the rescuers from Don Bluth and the Young Guns. And uh, when they were sort of pitched in a meeting, they, they went with the rescuers. So, like, the veterans now took over the rescuers, and they ditched the uh, the, the Arctic setting. And uh, they originally decided to bring Corella DeVille back. Yeah, which Which that. makes a lot of sense based on who they ended up, the, the character that ends up in this movie. Yeah, it's funny. I actually thought of her as, like, Ursula's little sister. Yeah, like a combination. Yeah, I saw a lot of Ursula. Ursula and Corella DeVille. But they decided uh, against a sequel, which is kind of ironic in the, the, <laughs> the days we're in now of Disney. Well, and also ironic because this is the first Disney movie to have a sequel, fun fact. That is true, Rescuers Down Under. They replaced Cruella DeVille with a, a kind of uh, evolved character from the books. They ended up creating Madame Medusa. 
who, funny enough, was her look and feel was based on the wife of animator <laughs> Milt Call because he didn't really like his wife very much. Awkward. <laughs> Whom he did not particularly like, says Wikipedia. Yes. Which, which is pretty funny because she is just kind of gross. She's kind <laughs> of a gross character. Are we talking about his wife or the character? Right Either now? or, apparently. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Wolfgang Reitherman was back as director. He is the unsung hero of these Disney movies. And yeah, like I said, Don Bluth uh, was on board as an animator. And then uh, this movie marked the debuts of two very prominent Disney folks. So I will go on this tangent momentarily. Uh, first, Glenn Keane, which is funny enough, uh, same last name, no relation to us, I, I, I don't think, at least not uh, closely. Uh, Glenn Keane uh, became a very prominent animator on movies like A Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Tarzan, Tangled, among others. He uh, animated many of the uh, characters that we know and love today. He actually, last year, won an Oscar for animating the Kobe Bryant animated short. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Mm, Deer Basketball. Yeah I, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Kobe, Kobe was like, I want to make a movie, I'm going to write a poem, and I'm going to hire the best animator in the world, Glenn Keane, and the best composer in the world, John Williams. Uh, and then they won an Oscar. So. Good job, Kobe. You yeah, bought right. an Oscar. <laughs> it can it's be a, done. It's a good little short. Yeah. I actually went and saw all those animated shorts last year, and it was it was a good one. So, um, And then uh, Ron Clements. Ron Clements worked on Rescuers. He went on to direct... The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, and Moana. Wow. Al- along with his directing partner, uh, oh, it's, uh, J- uh, Musker, John Musker. Ron Clements, John Musker, that's right. So he started off on this movie as an animator and then went on to direct many, many more. So it'd be my dream to get John and Ron on this show. We'll see if that ever so, happens. Oh, yeah, man. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Uh, this movie was released June 22nd, 1977, right after Star Wars. <laughs> Funny. It was released as a double feature along with the live action nature featurette called A Tale of Two Critters, which was about a bear cub and a young raccoon who were accidentally thrown together who become friends. So I don't know how what that was. Uh, I didn't look that up. It was uh, re-released December 16th, 1983, along with Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I've definitely seen that. That was Mickey's return to the big screen after like 30 years or something like that. And then as Carrie mentioned, 1989, we had the sequel, Rescuers Down Under. Uh, Rescuers outgrossed Star Wars in France. Whoa. I've had a lot of box office stats about France for some reason. Yeah, Um, I saw that. And it became the highest grossing film in West Germany for that year. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Um, uh, A total made a lifetime gross of $169 and was nominated for an Academy Award for the song Someone's Waiting for You, but it did not win. So, uh, David, I probably said everything that was on your list of fun facts. Do you have anything else? You did not. Oh. Nice. Um, it was the last film to receive an Oscar nomination until The Little Mermaid in 1989, 12 years later. <laughs> so they were kind of in a dry spell there. And then it's the first Disney film to feature pop music instead of just mm. orchestral music. Mm-hmm. And I definitely noticed that. There are some songs that didn't quite seemed to fit and I couldn't like really tell why if they're just bad songs but it was because no other movies we've watched recently have had pop songs it was it was also like they were just songs to progress the narrative as opposed to like or uh, as opposed to songs sung by the characters yeah Yeah. so I have a fun fact regarding that Uh, about halfway through I was thinking to myself I don't think anybody sings in this movie. And I thought, I wonder if that, you know, if, if this was the first one. And yeah, it turns out since Bambi in 1941, this was the first Disney movie 
where there's musical sequences, but there's not key songs sung by any character. The songs were a little jarring. <laughs> they were very 70s. Yes. Um, they kind of reminded me of like some of the slower James Bond theme songs. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the instruments used in the voice. But I listened to them on their own today when I was prepping the show, and I actually really liked a couple of them. They they're were, sweet. Yeah, they're yeah, sweet. Yeah, they are very sweet. I know what you mean, David. Dave, like they, it's not what you're used to hearing in, in Disney, but uh, yeah, I thought they were okay. Come along. Sunshine shining, will we find the silver lining? Come along. All right, so rescuers first. Uh, Carrie, you'd seen this before. What were your memories of it before rewatching it again? Yeah, I'm not sure how many times I've seen it. This is probably just like a couple viewings uh, as a kid, but I, I do remember the huge ass diamond inside a teddy bear <laughs> i didn't remember where the diamond was how he got how she got it whatever but i remember i remember it that in that teddy bear and i remember the albatross airline which i think is mm-hmm. is so great uh we'll probably touch some of those things later but there's only one like short shot of the diamond being in the teddy bear too so that's funny that you remember that uh-huh i don't know i was just like i thought it was kind of brilliant it's just a little hiding place yeah, I had a recollection of that too. Are there? Does that happen in Peter Pan as well? Does like the it little, does? Okay, it does. Yeah, where they're shoving jewels into a teddy bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's weird because that actually might be the memory. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking too. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I don't know if I'd seen this. Some things seem really familiar, and other things, other things were just like no. I have like the UN at the beginning. <laughs> mm, no, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, David, how about you? The things that seemed familiar, I think, were just me kind of mixing it with Down Under because I had seen that movie a few times as a kid, really liked it, but I hadn't seen this one before. I mean, maybe glimpses on the Disney Channel or something like that, but yeah, first viewing for me, pretty much. All right, so now that we have watched it again, Carrie, what was your initial reaction to upon watching this as an adult? I mean, okay, it's not great, uh, but I think my love of Rescuers Down Under, you know, carried over. I mean, I don't know if it's worth talking about now, but I just love, like, the mouse counterparts to, like, human things, like the UN with the Rescue Society, all the little mice coming out of the, Mm -hmm. you know, their respective UN. I love the airplane, you know, the airport and then the Albatross airport. I love the boat and then the Dragonfly boat. So I think I was already sort of in love with the world, so I yeah. liked the movie a little more. But yeah, the movie is just sort of bewildering and dark. David, your initial thoughts? Um, yeah, not a bad thing, but it definitely just feels a lot different from the movies we've been watching. First of all, it's the first one in a long time that hasn't taken place in a European country, <laughs> mostly British. Interesting. Uh, you know, like even Winnie the Pooh, like Christopher Robin's British, the one yep. from last week. Robin Hood, um, England, Aristocats, France, Jungle Book, India, Sword in the Stone, England, 101 Dalmatians, England, Sleeping <laughs> Beauty, uh, some far off land. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of them. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> so, yeah, so off the bat, it just feels a little bit different just because it's in America. Yeah, and um, it's Louisiana. So it's so random, like a yep. bayou in Louisiana. So strange. To continue, the it just has a darker feel and like a darker color palette than the movies that were we've watched so far. So it just and then the pop songs instead of the orchestral music, it just kind of feels like a Disney ripoff. Like it's a <laughs> like it's a Don Bluth movie. Yeah, 
It's like Balto goes west or whatever. Um, <laughs> Balto dude. goes west. Dude, Balto was awesome. What a reference. <laughs> yeah, those are great movies. This, however, was an okay movie. I mean, I wouldn't say I regretted watching it, but I didn't I didn't love it. <laughs> the Cruella DeVille references are definitely... That, I've noticed that like right when she got in her car at the beginning and even her mannerisms mm. seem... She seems like she's a like Cruella's cousin or something mm-hmm. like that. And her car was like Corella's exact same vehicle. She peels out and the front of the car flies up. The same thing that Corella does in Dalmatians. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I think just because I had no idea what to expect because I really don't think I'd seen it. From the start, like you said, it was very odd to see this movie take place in like New York City. <laughs> but yeah. it was it was interesting and interesting to see their interpretation of it. And it actually made it seem very, it was a very realistic interpretation of New York mm. and just beginning at the United Nations was so odd. Like I was not expecting that. Sure. Well, how about the actual beginning? The actual beginning is the little girl walking out yeah. and the two crocodiles are walk, watching her and you have no context for what's going on. And it's before the credits. I don't, that was, that was surprising to me. I wasn't expecting that. It's like scary. <laughs> For a moment, I thought like the copy of the movie was messed up. I did too. <laughs> and then they kind of used the credits to tell the story of the bottle, which I don't know. I wasn't expecting that. That was cool. That was unique. I mean, we've talked about the credits a lot on the show because I feel like almost every movie, they're different. They're a different style, a different feel. This one was all just like oil paintings. Yeah. They were yeah. just kind of slowly zoomed in on or like barely animated and it was a very interesting way to to show the progression of of what's going on here yeah it was kind of confusing but i was i was intrigued i wanted to i was like what what how does this connect how is this and why and you know yes and then we get into the whole uh united nations thing which was cool like you said i love seeing the people and then how the mice have their own entrance yeah yeah and the humans don't really seem to notice the animals that are anthropomorphic and like speaking and yes. have their own little lair within, within the building. They all crawled out of like their country's UN representatives, like suitcases and stuff, if yeah. you notice that. And it was also really interesting to see what countries they had represented. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bianca shows up and she's, what country was she, Hungary? The actress is Hungarian. Yeah, I think they actually had, she sat down in front of the Hungary uh, mm-hmm. placard. And she is... Uh, once again, voiced by Ava Gabor, who voiced the cat, Duchess, in the Aristocats. And then uh, we meet, what's the guy's name, Bernard? Bernard. Yeah, and he is voiced by Bob Newhart, who is a very famous comedian. Yes. I love uh, I love the shot when they're singing the song, and he's outside by himself with his hand over his heart singing yeah. the song. It's like he's clearly in it to win it, even though he's afraid of everything. He looks like he's dressed in a Mario costume. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Red hat, red shirt, blue overalls. It's like, uh, did it? Did this come before Mario? I don't know. Yeah, uh, probably. The characters do sing the Rescue Aid Society song. That's true. So you were saying you were saying that no one sings a song, but I guess maybe that. I don't know. I don't know if that counts. It, yeah, because that's like that's like within the world as opposed to like sure. a song that starts playing you like know, a in, musical number in correct. Disney fashion. Yeah. To 
Mario first appeared in 1981 in the Donkey Kong arcade game. So <laughs> okay. Bernard was the influence for Mario, <laughs> right. potentially. So we we finally at the end of the the this meeting get the gist of what's going on. They find this bottle and they decide to go rescue this this girl. But it still takes a long time to understand why she was kidnapped and what's yes. going on. Yeah, yeah, it is very it is very dark. I, I, I can imagine this this inciting nightmares in in young children. Yeah, I mean it's abducted. It's an abducted child. I mean that's the first thing you see in this movie is like an abduct, abducted child watched by like two huge crocodile or alligators. I guess. Yeah. Um, I loved the grandpa cat. He was adorable. Um, <laughs> as as they go to the orphanage next, is that, is oh, that yeah. when that is next? Because they follow the lead right to the orphanage. Well, they go to uh, do they go to the pawn shop first? No, that's they go right. to the orphanage first. No, they visit the orphanage, and that's where okay. they meet. That's where they meet Rufus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that little scene where he. What's the what's the what does he say? What's the quote that he says? It's the faith. The faith quote. Yeah. Uh, faith makes everything turn out right. Yeah, faith is a bluebird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that scene. I thought that was nice, and it was a good little lesson for the young ones watching this. Faith is a bluebird you see from afar. It's for real and as sure as the first evening star. You can't touch it or buy it or wrap it up tight, but it's there just the same, making things turn out right. But then, yeah, then we uh, go straight to Medusa's pawn shop and meet this insane character. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny that she would be there and not at the bayou. Like, the pawn shop was totally <laughs> just the place close by that she could be. They didn't really explain that at all, like why she had a pawn shop, why she had this place in the bayou. Well, it makes sense for why she wants the diamond to sell at her pawn shop. Yeah, I, suppose. <laughs> I don't know Great who's going to come into a pawn shop and buy a diamond that large. $10 million diamond or whatever <laughs> yeah. that is worth. Are we going to step to every scene or can I kind of jump ahead? Well, I'd like to talk about the, the, the flight, the albatross flight. Oh my God. Yes, please. So yeah, I, I, I really liked this sequence. Uh, the albatross, who they, they named him Orville, which is funny after yes. uh, the, the Wright brother. It was kind of a, a bumbling character, but he gets off the ground. Flight 13 hits the wild blue yonder in five minutes. So there's a fun thing I read about this this flying sequence. January 8th, 1999, this movie was released on, on home video, but then immediately recall, recalled. Uh, 3.4 million copies of this movie were, were recalled because someone was watching through frame by frame by frame and found two frames of a, a bare, bare-chested woman in a window in New York City behind part of the flying sequence. Apparently, this had been in there since the beginning, and no one really noticed, because you can't see it if you're watching through it in real time. Right. You know, at 20, 24 or whatever frames a second they did, you can't see it. But some someone was watching through it frame by frame somehow on VHS and, and discovered this, and it was uh, recalled. Though Disney admitted that it had been in there for a long time, though they did not re- reveal who who did it. There are theories that they announced this because no one, like, it's very rare that anyone back then could have even have found this. Sure. There were rumors, theories that they announced this in order to actually boost sales of the movie. <laughs> Which would have been just genius beyond. <laughs> because it wasn't like the highest selling, you know, home videotape. <laughs> And so announcing the, the recall uh, could have actually propelled people to to purchase it in order to find this themselves. Because back then, there was no internet to find this. We'll be clear to anyone listening. It's uh, like five pixels. You yeah, can't really see anything. And I'm sure it, is, it was especially not clear on, on VHS. Yeah. 
Anyway, David, you can jump ahead now. I wanted to make sure we, we covered that very important topic. Yeah. Um, just kind of talking about the pace of the movie in general, it seemed to me like most of the meat of the story was in the last like 15 minutes <laughs> of the movie. And scrolling back through, it's kind of true. The mice, Bernard and what's her name, don't meet the little girl until 53 minutes into the movie. And after that, there's only about 20 minutes left if you take away credits. Kind of weird. Like, it seemed very unproportional to me. The climax of the movie was shoved at the very end instead of having like a, you know, some sort of peak in the middle. Yeah, but they did introduce a lot of fun animal characters and Bernard and Bianca were, were great. And I, I didn't really find that to be that that jarring, especially with a movie that's this short. I mean, I think I, it is interesting to have like a, a, an adorable little girl, but she's not the main character. I mean, the movie's called The Rescuers. Um, and I think originally they were supposed to be detectives. So I think that's, I agree, Dave, that it's a little strange, but I think it's just because they were setting up the rescuers to be the main characters. Mm -hmm. Despite that, just you're, you're kind of used to the little girl being the main character, but she's really just the object of their rescue. Why did you have to go and spoil everything? Nero, don't you dug out my teddy bear wet. Any other random thoughts? Uh, I just wanted to say it wouldn't be a Disney movie without like casual substance abuse. <laughs> the moonshine fire juice. Yeah, that, I mean, that one character was drunk like the entire time. He was, and then it became a critical plot point when he had to use it to uh, mm -hmm. as fuel for the, um, the whatever that boat was. I noted that as well. Usually there's like a negative consequence in a Disney movie if they show smoking or drinking, but this one, it was all positive. Like <laughs> This gave him the fuel to go charge ahead, and it saved like the little Dragon bug, yeah. the bug's life. It brought yeah. him back to life. Yeah. I loved that dragonfly boat, man. I th that's so clever. Yeah, and the the sound the sound effects on him were great. Yes. I assume that was just a person sitting in a studio going. <laughs> yeah, actually, I did read that. There was a yeah a guy that was that did those I guess mouth sound effects did it. The uh, the drunk character's name was was uh, was Luke. Luke, one of the yeah. muskrats. He was voiced by Pat Buttram, who uh, did the voice of Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh yeah, if that nice. sounded familiar. Classic um, character, and he was also a character in uh, in Aristocats. Okay, so uh, another another recurring Disney voice. We get a lot of those, and like to point them out. Say, cousin, you look like you could use a swig of this. It's good for what ails you. I did enjoy. I mean, it was kind of stupid, but I thought that was actually funny. And when the Gators were playing the organ, I was just going to bring <laughs> that up. That organ sequence is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so Bernard so is stuck good. in the pipes, correct? Or they both they are? They both are at different points. And he's trying to play in the right key to blow him through the right pipe. Yep. And then finally he just slams them all. Uh, yeah, lots of hijinks there. Yeah, and those those gators reminded me a lot of the, the, the crocodile in, uh, in mm. Peter Pan. Yep. Nero and Brutus, two mm -hmm. Roman historical characters, uh, randomly. Uh, one other random thing I wanted to mention, I always, I always mention the people who write the music for these movies because I love the music. This was scored by Artie Butler. This is a new guy. He is most famous for arranging and recording Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World and Barry mm. Manilow's Copacabana. <laughs> wow, that's a two pretty good ones. So he is he is partly responsible for over 60 gold and platinum albums. 
and he wrote the soundtrack to uh, The Rescuers. So, All right. random fun facts there. I think my, my last thought is just the, the uh, visual of the villain water skiing on crocodiles is just, it was a great, I mean, it was a quick ending, but pretty great. You know, yeah. they summed it up very quickly, very uh, visually kind of standout moment there. Yeah. And I loved her swamp buggy motorcycle thing. Mm-hmm. That was, that was fun and creative. And yeah, I mean, again, very reminiscent of Corella DeVille and her, her car. Mm-hmm. Also, if Penny, that's a girl's name, right? Mm-hmm. If she is actually like a toddler and couldn't speak very well, her driving that thing is even more <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, right. She's pretty good at it too. Yeah, I mean, besides the obvious things, this thing does. This movie doesn't have a lot of consistency in like establishing the world. I feel like, yeah, like a little kid can drive this crazy motorcycle. You can talk to animals, but can everyone talk to the animals? But not all the animal. But not all the animals talk. She was talking to uh, the reporter about that. Remember at the end, she. She, he was like, you could talk to mice. And she's like, yeah, yeah. you didn't know that. No. And then she, she gets adopted because she's like rich now, I guess. I don't know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where does she have a bank account that that diamond right. is deposited into? Like, it's like their sugar child. Like, <laughs> I assumed sugar. it was a donation to the museum. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. The Smithsonian. Yeah. I, I think any greedy person would want to adopt her after that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't trust that guy's mustache. I know that. Uh, let's start wrapping this up. Carol, our guest job is to establish the specific rating system for this movie. So, Oh, yeah. I'm so ready for this. What do you got? We're gonna, some version of Luke's fire juice toots. Because <laughs> that's what he was giving out the whole time. That was a key plot point. The boat got one. The dragonfly got one. We need a, we need a number. Oh, I need to give you a number. Yeah. I want to give it six of Luke's fire juice toots. Well, out of how many? Out of 10. Okay. I thought it was solid. I, I love, I like the sequel. I mean, I'm in love with the sequel, so that might have either, that probably gave it a point and maybe t- take it a, took away a point. Some yeah. very sweet scenes. I really like the grandpa cat. Um, I like the little girl and I love the two main characters, but just a bit all over the place. Like Dave said, kind of strangely paced in, at times, but yeah, watchable. Cool. David, how many f- Luke's fire juice toots do you give this movie? <laughs> I would give it, I don't know, 6.5 out of 10 fire juice toots. <laughs> Some of our rating <laughs> systems have been so weird. Uh, the pacing is a little bit weird. That I just feel like it wasn't a good enough of a movie to make like the darkness and sadness of it like super enjoyable for me. Mm. Um, I did like the fact that it set up Bernard... <laughs> I keep saying what's her name I can't remember Bianca Bianca, Bianca Miss Bianca from Hungary sets up their relationship but I shouldn't depend on the sequel which I know is better to make this movie better yeah it was good I probably won't watch it again <laughs> <laughs> as I said at the top of our review section I did really enjoy this it's not like eking its way into my top 10 or anything um, but I, I think I liked it slightly better than Winnie the Pooh and last week I gave Winnie the Pooh a 7 out of 10 so I'll give this a 7.2 Luke's juicy fire toots out of, out of 10. <laughs> um, it was fun and it kept my attention. There were some great characters, songs that I actually kind of liked. And uh, so yeah, 7.2 out of 10. So with that, we will end this show. Carol, Keen, 
my cousin, thank you so much for joining us. So glad to be here. And David, as always, we're moving right along. 23 down. Woo-hoo. About that many more to go. <laughs> All right. Yes, Don't we are. Now. I believe uh, Little Mermaid is actually half ha- is like the halfway point. So we're getting there. So with that, uh, remember, you can find us all over the internet at Disney1x1. And please leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. We would love to see that. So next week, what do we have? We have the Great Mountain. No, no. We have the Fox and the Hound from 1981. So we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast.